you remember the last time you were angry for no apparent reason? Do you understand why you're always doing one thing, even though you've said that you're never going to do that again? Do you understand the workings of your mind? If the answer to any of those questions is no, then perhaps you might benefit from what I've got to say today. Hello, welcome again, Stanley, back with another episode. Today, I'm going to be looking at the mind. Obviously, this is an area that I'm very interested in. And so I'm going to try and help you somehow understand how the mind works. One thing that I've always found strange is that on average, we don't really know much about ourselves. For example, if I was to ask you to point to the location of your spleen and tell me what it's doing for you right now, it might be easy for some people, but I don't think it's easy for everyone. Probably not even easy for me. And this is not a criticism, obviously. Um, This is just stating how things are. So if the physical body is not well known, how about the mind? Something that's abstract, something that we simply cannot touch, cannot see it. Not even science can quantify the mind. Science cannot really measure it. So whilst we cannot know all there is to know about ourselves, I believe that knowing a bit helps in our growth, in our understanding of ourselves, in our development, and what it means to achieve or attain a state of self-actualization. So what I'm gonna try and do here today is to help you understand a bit more, a bit more about your mind. And I'm gonna be using Carl Jung's theory. Um, and I'll try and explain. And by the end of the recording, hopefully it'll be a lot clearer. So in case you weren't already aware, Carl Jung was a Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. His work was very important in psychology. Jungian psychologist is called. Um, if you've ever heard of introversion, extroversion, then you've heard of you know the benefits of his work. Um, and so what he postulated about the mind or the psyche is it is broadly divided into three major realms. Though divided, he believed they acted upon each other. So they have this push-pull relationship, you know, influencing each other. And he divided them into one, consciousness. Um, two, something called personal unconscious. And then three, the collective unconscious. So what I'm going to try and do is explain all of these individually. And we're going to see how that applies to our own very lives. Let's start with consciousness or awareness, as we'll call it. So if you think of everything you know about yourself, everything you know about the world around you, you're obviously conscious of what's happening right now. You're also conscious of what happened in the past and somehow conscious of what may happen in the future. Um, It comes as no surprise, obviously, that the ego is at the centre of consciousness or awareness. So basically, the ego is that part of your mind that is doing the identification, it's doing the thinking, the attachment, performing actions. It is the I or the main subject of what's happening, basically. And that's the consciousness that we're talking about here. So if I said something like, I like playing games, my ego is basically the subject that's acting on the object which is games in this case, if that makes sense. Um, It's obviously very important to note at this point 
that the ego also serves as a link between the conscious and the unconscious mind. And what I mean by this is through the ego, certain elements will pass from the conscious to the unconscious and vice versa. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, of course, there's more to the conscious mind than just the ego that I talked about. There's also the subconscious mind. Note that I've said subconscious, not unconscious. Two different minds here. And so with the subconscious mind, um, this is where information or memories below our focal awareness reside. So they're not unconscious. We're just not actively thinking about them. However, they do influence or impact what we do as well now let's talk about the personal unconscious so in Young's view contrary to the conscious mind the unconscious mind is way way deeper it's a lot deeper so he describes this area as a part of the mind where information events memories certain things that we've experienced but maybe not consciously taking note of have remained and in his idea they've remained below the threshold of consciousness so way way deeper and so basically, somehow we repress. Well, repressing is um, it's not conscious, right? Suppressing is conscious. So certain information have been repressed unconsciously into an area that he calls the shadow. And this area is not easily accessible. So you simply cannot access that area just, when, <laughs> just because you want to or just when you want to. Um, this area can, however, be accessible through psychoanalysis. So say, for example, you go to your psychologist and they perform psychoanalysis on you. You can actually re-experience or bring back certain things that happened when you were five. Um, and those things that happened when you were five actually have a major impact on your life now. But you don't even realize, right? So we repress a lot. We repress certain thoughts, feelings, experiences. Um, and some of the reasons we repress them may be because they're not very useful or they're just not acceptable by members of our community or we find them too distressing to deal with or we just don't see the point in, in focusing on them at a time. They, however, have an impact on our everyday life. Um, and sometimes they can just be triggered by anything. Um, you know, you, you, you smell someone's perfume, for example, and you get a specific response. Uh, sometimes it makes you feel good sometimes it makes you feel angry sometimes you wake up really angry you don't even know why <laughs> um, but if you you know dig deeper you might find specific reasons why you're feeling the way you are so we're very very complex and the mind is very complex in that regard uh, so the unconscious mind um, has a major impact on the conscious mind uh, but we're not really aware and the way it does this is through the ego again so I talked about the ego earlier on so through the ego what the ego initially rejects and pushes down can at some point come back up from the con from the unconscious to the conscious mind and that happens through the ego so they have this you know push-pull relationship that I talked about earlier on now just to clarify again the subconscious mind is not exactly the same as the unconscious mind um, so at the moment you're listening to me speak but you're also doing something else like breathing for example <laughs> well I hope you're breathing um, or you may even be driving but you're not really focused on driving 
uh, well, that's not really good. Um, okay, so driving is not a good example. Um, say, for example, you're listening to me, but then doing something else subconsciously. Like you're not actively thinking about that. You're just doing it, right? So that's your subconscious mind at play. So, so it's also important because it does influence what we do, right? Um, so the mind is really, really complicated. Um, but to make it even more interesting, because for me, this is one area that I found really interesting. It's the next in Young's classification, which is the collective unconscious. Um, you know, when I came across this concept, I was blown away personally. Um, and so in his view, this is a part of the mind that's not unique to you alone. So unlike the personal unconscious, the collective is not gotten from your individual experience, but rather from millions of years of human evolution, right? So this has nothing to do with you alone. It has a lot to do with us as a people all around the world, from wherever you are, um, whatever time you existed, basically. So in simple terms, we inherit this information as a collective, as a people. And this memory is made up of things he calls archetypes. Um, archetypes simply inherited ways of thinking, patterns of behavior, images, symbols, that sort of thing. And they represented different things throughout time and space. So if you thought of artists from different centuries, who've never met each other or heard about each other before. Painting similar symbols, painting similar things to represent similar ideology. The question in your head is how? So in, in the ninth century, someone did something and obviously the internet didn't exist at the time. But in the 15th century, someone else from a different part of the world had exactly the same idea and was able to do exactly the same thing or think about the same thing, even though that person has never heard, read, read, or been in contact with the person from the ninth century. So it surprises you, right? Because um, you can't help but think, well, how's that even possible? yes it might be true that when we're born we're not very conscious we're not very aware of the world around us so some people will say we're born with a blank slate but at the same time there's some sort of memory there's some sort of information that we have the collective memory however it is unconscious at certain points it actually comes out of the unconscious and we act them out right um and yeah this is a <laughs> This is a very interesting one for me. I, yeah, I find it really fascinating. You could go to India, for example, and meet someone who thinks in exactly the same way as you. You could go to Japan, you could go to Zambia. Uh, you could find people in different parts of the world who know exactly the same thing as you. And the question is, well, how? I mean, in the age of the internet, it's slightly easier to say, well, you read it online, but but before the internet existed, this concept also existed. And people weren't even very well read at the time. People didn't have the opportunity to, to read as much as we do now. Um, and so this idea of the collective unconscious is um, it's very, I suppose uh, it helps, it helps. It helps our overall understanding of ourselves. 
Um, and obviously the, the goal of this recording today is to help you understand that your conscious mind affects your unconscious. Well, your unconscious, the personal and the collective, also influence your conscious mind. Sometimes you're not aware. However, they have, an, they, they have like a pushable relationship, like I said. Um, and so the goal for a human is to attain a state of self-actualization. And what this is essentially is um, a state where your ego, the conscious part of you, knows a lot about your unconscious part and you're able to, um, what's the word? Um, I can't even think of the word right now. <laughs> you're, you're able to merge both of them to your advantage. So you're able to use both of them. Um, and that's when you attain your true self, right? And this is how you have a, a good life. Understanding or getting to a point where the ego becomes the self. But the self will always be higher than the ego. Um, okay, so hopefully this is not very confusing. Hopefully it's helped you understand a bit about the mind. Now I'll be talking about the shadow in detail. I'll be talking about the persona again. Um, <laughs> it's a different way of looking at things, but I also got that from Jungian psychology. And fingers crossed, you uh, tune in next time. The idea is just to help. Um, and so I hope you found this useful. Until next time, enjoy yourself and be safe.